right, part of our aim in family worship for the next few weeks is to shorten service up a little bit. So that means you have to listen quickly. I'm not great at being quick. Here we go. This morning we're talking about bread a little bit. We've been working our way through the book of John. Uh, so if you're here for the first time or the first time in a while, we've been working our way through this, this book, this gospel of John, and we've made our way up to chapter 6, and we'll start um, really for the next several weeks, we'll move at a pretty good pace. Um, but today we're in John chapter 6, and really the focus or part of the focus uh, of John chapter 6 is bread. The word is used 22 times in the chapter or so. Uh, and Jesus, you will see this in a minute, Jesus makes this statement and teaches a lesson using bread. He says that I am the bread of life. But I'm afraid that that doesn't carry much weight for us. We don't get the backstory of it unless we go backwards. So really what I want us to do, and this happens in the text, but before we jump into John, we're going to go backwards to Exodus. Go backwards to Exodus, and we pick up this bread from heaven narrative. So if, you're, if you've got your Bible, open it to Exodus chapter 16. If you're following along at home, Exodus 16 in your Bible or on your phone or whatever you've got. And I need some help from the kids. So help me a little bit. We've been in Exodus not too terribly long ago. So what happens in the book of Exodus? Let's see, I'll get you started a little bit. So God's people, the nation of Israel, they are in slavery, right? They're in slavery for how long? 400 years. I can count on a coffin boy to have answers. 400 years. And then... God delivers them, right? He, through Moses, he delivers them with a strong hand and he judges the gods of Egypt. He demonstrates his power and his rule uh, over all of creation and he sets his people free. So about how many people, help me out here, about how many people are in the nation of Israel at this time? How big, how many people are we talking about? Anybody got a guess? Several million, a couple million, I think it's pretty close to right. Okay, so you've got a couple million people, they've been set free, and what happens, uh, what sea do they cross? They go out and God parts the sea, the Red Sea, right? And not too long after that, they start getting a little upset. Why are they upset? Oh, come on, why are they upset? Why do they get upset? Think back through the story. Why do all kids get upset? If you've got kids, you hear this all the time. I'm hungry. Who's hungry? Who's hungry right now? Yeah, this sounds right. That's right. Right? So they're hungry. They're hungry. So God lets them get good and hungry, and then what does he do? Charlie answered, Gideon raised his hand. That's how it always goes at our house. So manna, so God feeds them with bread from heaven. Okay, so let's read this, Exodus chapter 16. I want to read just a couple of verses. Uh, the whole chapter talks about it, but let's read just a couple of verses because this sets us up to understand what Jesus is talking about in John chapter 6. Look in verse 4. 
Well, I'll tell you what, let's back up. We'll catch the grumbling too. Look in verse 2. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. And we sat by the meat pots and ate, ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Right? They're griping because they're hungry. Verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. Okay, that phrase, bread from heaven, is pretty significant. I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And on the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Okay, so you get the picture? God's about to provide bread for them. He's about to do it every day. And on the sixth day, he's going to provide extra so that they don't have to go out and gather on the Sabbath because the Sabbath is a day of rest. Right? We know the story. How much are they to gather? It says later on in the chapter. I'm not going to read it all. How much are they to gather? Come on, Daniel. Okay, yeah, they do that on the sixth day. But how much do they get every day? Molly, as much as they need, you're right. There's a word for it that we don't use much anymore. Again, we talked about it yesterday. That's cheating if you answer. Oh, come on, what is it? Anybody know? What? Enough? An omer. An omer. Who knows how much an omer is? Yeah, I didn't either. Enough. Yeah, there you go. An omer is enough, and enough is an omer. An omer is about uh, the measuring, if you look it up, two quarts. Two quarts. Uh, so they're supposed to gather, what it looks like is each person gathers an omer every day. Okay, so let's play this number out a little bit, because here's what we need to understand what we see when God provides bread from heaven for his people. It's easy to have the cartoon version of this in our head and go, yeah, God provided bread from heaven, right? And it doesn't really, yeah, you've got to bounce when you say it, and it doesn't carry much weight, right? But when you think about this, I was sitting in a deer stand yesterday and was thinking about this very thing. Uh, God gave them bread every day. On the sixth day, they gathered twice, but every day for 40 years. And they're supposed to gather an omer per person, two quarts Per person, let's call that a pound, right? We'll call it one pound, probably more than that. But we'll call it a pound of bread, a pound of this manna that they're to gather every day. They go and they gather it and then they would bake it or they would boil it. They would prepare it different ways and they ate it and it sustained their lives. It fed them. Two million people, a pound per day, a pound per day, you start figuring this out, um, it would take uh, 67 semi-truck loads a day to bring the 2 million pounds of manna, right? If we think about this, 67 18-wheeler loads a day to bring 2,000 pounds of manna every day, 60 Seven semi-trucks a day of God's provision of bread for his people. 
That's 24,000, over 24,000 truckloads a year. 24,000 truckloads of manna every year that God provides for His people to sustain their lives, to demonstrate His provision, to, to functionally provide for them, to train His people to go every day and get their daily bread. That's 978,200 truckloads of bread in 40 years. 978,000 truckloads of bread, right? God provides bread for His people and He sustains their lives for all of them. Two million people moving through the wilderness. And this is the backstory for what it means, bread from heaven. We lose sight of the scale of the bread from heaven, right? We lose sight of God's crazy provision of the bread from heaven because we think, oh yeah, like he gave them bread and it tasted like honey. Okay. Right? We're talking about almost a million truckloads of bread over 40 years, right? 67 a day. 67 a day. Every day. So here's the deal that sets us up. God let them get good and hungry. He let them get good and hungry. And then next, he fed them and he taught them and he began an illustration and a foreshadowing that would come to fruition 1,500 years later. He sets this up with bread from heaven and now Jesus is about to step into this. And now he's got something to look back at. Right? When he talks about bread from heaven. So flip over to John chapter 6. And we'll jump into this. Because we needed to have a little bit of that backstory of what's going on. This gets us into, into John chapter 6. So we don't have time to go deeply into all of John 6. It's a long chapter. There's one particular section I want us to look at. But here's what happens if you skim through there. Or if you talked about this in your small group this week. Here's a little bit of what happens. Jesus, uh, there's quite a crowd, 5,000, really 5,000 men, presumably 20,000 people, a crowd that have come to Jesus. They're, uh, they are, um, it's getting close to Passover, and they come to Jesus, they want to see the signs that he's doing. Well, Jesus, this is the beginning of chapter 6, he turns and he asks, Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And Philip's like, are you talking about? What are you talking about? We don't have money to buy bread for these people. You can't feed this, this many people. And he does, right? So Jesus uses five loaves and two fish in a really familiar story. And he feeds probably 20,000 people. This is the beginning of, of John 6. And then the crowd is all worked up. And they are excited by the situation. They want to make Jesus king. So in a very Jesus way, he slides out, goes up a mountain, and he tells his boys, y'all go ahead on across the lake, I'll catch you later. The disciples wait for a little while, then they go across the sea. This is where we pick up in uh, verse 16, Jesus, in the evening, Jesus walks on water. And it's just it's funny to me, this is just like a little blip in John chapter 6, right? John doesn't give it a whole chapter, he doesn't give it much uh, at nearly as much uh, kind of screen time as some of the other Gospels do, but he gives us this little blip that Jesus is walking on water. And then he tells us in verse 22, on the next day, the crowd 
they come around the lake and they come find Jesus. And this is really where we pick up. This is what I want us to look at for a minute. So I want us to read this section together and hopefully looking back and seeing just a, just a quick reminder of bread from heaven in Exodus helps us to read verses 25 through 40 with a better understanding. So let's read this together. And then we'll talk about it just a little bit. And then we'll look at one other place where we see bread. Starting in verse 25. It's on the screen for you. If you don't have your Bible. Verse 25. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. He just fed them. Don't work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God. Here's what you do. That you believe in him who he has sent. Verse 30, then... So they said to him, what sign, what sign do you do that we may see and believe? Now these idiots just ate. There's 20,000 of them that Jesus just fed yesterday. And so now they go, well, what sign you got for us today so that we can believe you? Right? What works do you perform? And then here's where they step into it. Look at verse 31. Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses that gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, sir, give us this bread. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you, you've seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Okay, so we've got this incredible picture here. There's so much wrapped up in this that we're not going to take a ton of time to go into. You look at what Jesus says, I I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life, right? They're having this interaction. And they asked, they said, well, our, father, our fathers ate manna. Moses gave them. What do you do? And Jesus corrects them. He says, Moses didn't give you manna. Moses didn't give you manna. My father gives you true bread from heaven. Right? So here's what the, this context of Jesus, or this statement of Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. has a big springboard jump off of manna in Exodus 16. 
We need to understand manna in Exodus 16. The size, the scope, the provision, the, the feel, the tone. We need to understand what's happening. That God provides sustenance for his people in the desert, in the wilderness, on a scale that is, that is almost unimaginable that God provides for them. And this is but a foreshadowing of what Jesus does. So Jesus shows up and says, I am the better, more perfect, more satisfying, more life-giving bread from heaven. And from me comes life. Your fathers ate bread and they died. They ate manna and they died. But this bread that the Father gives you, you take it, you consume it, you put your hope in it, your faith in it, and you will never die. You have eternal life and no one can snatch you out of my hand. No one can pluck you out. And you will be raised up on the last day. Right? That's what he's saying. And here's the backdrop, right, when we, when we see this. And I think oftentimes what happens um, is that we, can, we hear this, we talk about this, or when Jesus says, I'm the bread, I'm the bread of life, bread is quite boring. Bread's pretty boring. Uh, and bread, you, can, you eat bread every day, and it, it, seemingly it would get, it would get old. And I think this is true for us, it's true for me, it was true for the nation of Israel. What happened with them and manna? What did they end up saying about the manna? We're tired of this stuff. We're tired of this stuff. I hate this manna. Right? They weren't satisfied with what God had provided for them. And I think so often, I think it's true of the church, particularly particular, the church, the, church in the United States, especially the church in the United States in suburbia. We're not satisfied with the bread from heaven. We're not satisfied. It doesn't satisfy us. We're looking for more. We need more. And really the, the push here this morning is to say this, is to say that Jesus is the better and more satisfying and more life-giving bread from heaven. And that part of the way that we respond to this, that we hear Jesus say that I am the bread of life. Our response should be, Father, help me to be satisfied. Satisfy me with this, with, with this provision that brings life. Right? Satisfy me with this kind of provision. Look, there's one more spot there's one more spot that we see bread, or there's a bunch of other spots, but there's one more spot I want us to look at this morning that we see bread. And then we'll we kind of put it all together and we'll respond together. If you go backwards, backwards to Matthew chapter 26. I think all the Gospels talk about this. But Matthew 26 lays it out quite clearly. We fast forward it about a year in Jesus' life. The next Passover. He'll be eating with his boys. He's eating his last supper. He's on the way to the cross. He will eat this supper. He'll leave. He teaches them a few things along the way. He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane 
In the garden, he is betrayed and arrested. And from there, it is one quick slide to the cross. But it's on this night, a year fast-forwarded, that we pick up this last meal. Jesus eats the Passover with his, with his boys. He remembers this. They participate in this rhythm of remembrance that reminds them of God's deliverance by a strong hand out of Egypt. And he reaches back to bread again. Right? So you think of this bread in three places. Bread in Exodus 16, right after they had been delivered, God begins this illustration of bread from heaven. Jesus picks this up in John chapter 6, and he's teaching after he's fed this crowd, and they're hungry, and they're looking for a sign of his messianic identity. And he, and he begins talking about, I'm the bread from heaven. Then he reaches back to bread one more time. Look in verse 26, Matthew 26, verse 26. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread. And after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. This is my body. Read 27, 28. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So here's our little bit of a put this together this morning. We see bread from heaven where God provides in an overwhelming way for his people for 40 years. 1,500 years later, we see Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one of God that says, I am the bread from heaven. I am the bread of life. When you take me, you get life eternal. Life eternal and no one can snatch you out of my hands. And that we can come to Jesus as the bread of life, as the life giver and satisfier and sustainer. And then Jesus reaches to bread again and he employs it as a rhythm of remembrance. That you take the bread and you break it. This is my body that is broken for you. This is my body and the cup, this is my blood. Right, and so when we, when we read John 6 and we see this bread of life, we really ought to think both ways, looking back and looking forward. This is a key element. We've, we have bread as a key element of our rhythm of remembrance. This is part of why we take this every week. Here is my prayer has been and, and is for us, that God would stir up our appetite and affection for the bread from heaven. That he would well up in us this appetite that we just want it. We just want to consume it. We want to spend time there. Because so often, we talked about this in our group this past um, Wednesday, so often when we are unsatisfied, it's because we're not consuming bread. We're not consuming bread. We're hungry. We don't realize that we're hungry. And our hunger 
in our hunger, we look for everything else to fill in where the bread of life should satisfy. Right? So this is my prayer for us this morning. God, stir up our appetite and our affection for bread from heaven. Satisfy us with your sweet provision. Hold, help us to remember well and use us as heralds of this greatest of miracles. That's what we do when we look at this particular passage. So look, I want us to wrap this up and this kind of thought about bread that we will take with us for the day. And the way that we respond this morning is threefold. One is to repent. I had to do a little repenting this week um, of being unsatisfied with this glorious bread. And I would not have said I am unsatisfied with this, but I, it shows itself in my yearnings for other things to fill what Jesus alone should fill, right? And so that maybe, maybe that's you. Maybe that's you in this room. Maybe that's you at home and to repent and, and turn, reorient around Jesus to satisfy us with his provision. Uh, another way that we respond every week is that we remember. We remember the true bread that was broken for us. Not manna, but Jesus, the Son of God that came and died in our place. Where he says, and he institutes this very meal that we still take weekly, 2,000 years later, to say, this bread that is broken for you, this is my body. This is a... It creates this rhythm of remembrance that we can enjoy and, and employ, right? That we build in this discipline that helps us to remember what God has done for us. So we want to take that together, right? So in a distanced way where we're not in a hurry, I think it's so important for us to to. Re- to respond this way, to repent and remember. So when the time is right for you, if your hope is in Jesus, when the time is right for you to get up, to come grab the wine or the juice and grab the bread and, and use it this way to say, God, help me to remember that you are the true bread. And then we rejoice. We rejoice at the extravagant provision of our King. The extravagant provision of our King. That we have received an embarrassment of blessing. We have been blessed so much. We have been given so much. We ought to rejoice at God's extravagant giving of Himself to us. The provision of bread from heaven for us, the provision of a rhythm of remembrance for us, the provision of a relationship to Him as Father, the provision of of all of these facets of eternal life that can never be taken, that we don't come under God's judgment, that we no one can pluck us out of His hand, that we are not under His wrath, we're not under His judgment. We don't operate in darkness, but we operate in light. All of these things is a good way for us to respond. So I'm going to pray for us. We'll respond together, take the Lord's Supper together.
and then we'll sing one more song. Let's pray. God, I'm thankful for your word, the way that you teach us and remind us and encourage us through it. Lord, I pray that you would stir up our, uh, our appetite and affection for the bread from heaven. God, satisfy us with your provision. Lord, help us to, to spur one another on to satisfaction in your provision. <clears throat> Lord, help us to forsake the things that would rob our attention or our affection, to forsake the things that would lead us into, into unsatisfied lives. Lord, help us to remember well what you have done, what you have provided, to remember your great love for us and the, the constant demonstrations of your grace. Lord, use us as heralds this week for the greatest of news. God, may we not be so shaken by current events around a virus or an election or anything else that we lose sight of the best news, of the best bread, of the best life. God, help us to see clearly and to walk on with good perspective. God, help us in, our, in this moment, in our repenting and remembering and rejoicing. May you be glorified in all of it. We thank you for Jesus, our bread from heaven, and our great King. We pray in his good name. Amen.